Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. And so in this moment, oh God, we just thank you, and we praise you. Hide me behind your cross in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You know, one of the things I didn't share there in the introduction is that your pastor, Pastor Yorlorda, was one of my roommates in grad school. We had a chance to room together, and he was a good man then, and he is a good man of God today. Amen? And so I'm just grateful for that. Y'all can do better than that for your, for your pastor. What a privilege that is. What a privilege that is. Uh, you know, today, as I was thinking, sometimes when you're preparing for the word, you get kind of stuck in between two places. And I said, God... God, what, 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 what is it that you would like for me uh, to share today? And, and I, settled, I settled in on a story that is found in the book of 2 Kings. But before, before you turn there to, um, uh, to 2 Kings, uh, where we'll just kind of plant our uh, foundation, have you ever been in a place where you feel like there's just nothing to lose at all? Like you just don't have anything to lose. Like you, you need to go completely all in. Just, just, just push everything to the center of the table, throw everything, just throw up your hands and just say, this is it, I have nothing at all to lose. And, and, and I felt that day when I went to the bathroom about 15 years ago. Let me explain. Um, um, so, so, so I felt that way because uh, I had just year, years ago, years ago, and, and I might be dating myself just a little bit, uh, uh, there was this thing that came out. It was the second generation of the iPhone, the iPhone 3GS. And, and, and I had just bought it. I had just bought it. But, but more importantly, during that time, I was raising my two daughters, and I had taken them to a pastor's meeting with everyone, and I heard those magic words that every parent desires to hear when they are raising their young children. She turned to me before anything happened and said, Daddy... I have to go to the bathroom. Now, 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 this was a triumphant moment. This was a triumphant moment because it meant that I, I was going to have to spend a little less on diapers. Somebody else say amen. Just a little bit less on that. And, 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 and so I was excited. I jumped up and I ran with her to the bathroom. I was so excited that, 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 that as I was there in the bathroom, I, I decided that I was going to put my phone in the top pocket of my shirt. And as I was kneeling down to make sure that everything was all right, my phone slides out of the pocket and into the toilets. The water looked clean. <laughs> I had to reach in there and pull it out and shake it, but the goal was to make sure she was there, and so I set that to the side, and I put it there, and we had a triumphant moment, but then I turned to my $1,000 investments. 
Now, 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 for some, I might say, now, 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 Pastor, that's a little bit ridiculous because, because phones are pretty much waterproof now, but there was a time when they were not waterproof. There was a time where, where, where there was a thing that they actually intentionally put something on the inside of it to indicate whether or not there was water damage. And, and I knew that it, because it had been submerged in water that there was no way that that was not going to be revealed. And so I went to the internet to try to figure out a way to bring this back to life. And so I soaked it in rice. I soaked it in rice and I was there and I was hoping. And, and so I plugged it in after a whole day, a whole day I plugged it in. And lo and behold, it came back to life. Flickered and then died. <laughs> And so now I was relegated to going back to what I had come from before that, and that was a flip phone. I went back to the flip phone, and I, and I was so discouraged and frustrated because I knew that, that there was no way at all I was going to be able to replace what I had lost. It was just a phone, but, but I had used it for so much more than that. It had become an important part of everything that I did. And so, and so I, with nothing to lose at all, with nothing to lose, frustrated and disappointed, I opened up my computer and I began to type a letter to Steve Jobs. I looked up the address and I said, I'm going to write Steve about my situation. And so I opened up my computer and I said, Dear Mr. Jobs, I want you to know that I use this phone to do so much in my ministry work. I use it every single day, but I cannot afford to replace it because I dropped it in water. I know that I can buy another one. I just can't afford to do that. And, and, and I'm wondering, is there a way that you can work it out? Now, 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 to be honest, Sister Sheila, I, I didn't expect a response at all. And, and I wrote that letter because there was nothing to lose. I mean, I mean, what is the worst that could happen? And, 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 and we find here 2 Kings chapters 5, 6, and 7. We, 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 we find that there is a group of people who are going through the challenges of life and they have literally nothing to lose. They are there and, and, and they're stuck in a challenging and a difficult situation. And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe you have been at the edge of life and you said, this is the last resort. This is the last thing that I can do. And I'm going to try this because I have literally nothing to lose. In chapter 5, we, we, we come in contact with, 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 with one of God's prophets, e, e, Elisha, and we see that there, there are miracles that are happening in his life. In chapter 6, we discover that, that Elisha makes another arrival on the scene because there's someone who's trying to build and they're chopping away at wood and the axe head, the borrowed axe head falls in water and it sinks to the bottom and he knows that he cannot replace what has been lost. And Elijah the prophet is turned to and he's frustrated and he's, 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 he doesn't know what to do because now he can't work and he can't replace what he has lost in the axe head. And lo and behold, Elisha casts a stick into the water and the axe head begins to float. 
he was at the end of his at the end of his at the end of his rope there was nothing that he could do and, and, and God steps in and performs a miracle on his behalf and and and, and he does this and he comes to to, to 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 see that the God of Israel the God that that that, that Elisha followed the God who could perform miracles the God who could advocate on his behalf does something that is miraculous something that is tangible a story that he will never forget toward the end of chapter 6 things are really really bad there's famine in the land people don't have enough to eat as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the, 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 the grim graphic reality is that, is that now, is that now they, 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 they've gone through all of, all of the cattle and, and now the, the, the remnants, the things that, that usually would be rejected on an animal now are being sold for high, high value. All of a sudden now these things that were, that were cast away as waste now are being sold as something to, to nourish people and they're in a bad situation and they're at a place where there's, there's nothing left to lose at all because now they're even considering their own children. Nothing to lose. And, 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 and now, and now, and now the leader, the king that is there, that is in this place, and, 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 and he's in this position because of some of the decisions that he's made and some of the places that he's gone. And there's a, there's a whole message in that whole thing of how when we turn from God, sometimes we set ourselves up for some challenges in our own lives. And, and sometimes we might, we might try to blame the devil for things that we decided to do, and it was our choice to do them. But, but God, even though he, he will journey with us, through all of those different situations of our lives and he will still be present with us. That's why I love the scripture that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that scripture that says, I, I, when you go through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, I will be with you. When you go through the fires, I will be with you. In the book of Isaiah, it talks about that. I love those scriptures because they give me hope that when I'm going through and there's nothing left to lose, that I am not by myself. We find here that they're challenged and difficult and, 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 and here at the end of chapter 6 of 2 Kings, there's a woman that comes in and she goes into the king's presence and she is frustrated and she's angry and she is mad and she has nothing to lose by arguing with the king knowing that maybe very well it could cost her her very own life and she says to the king to his face, now let's sacrifice your son to eat. We're in a bad place. The king is, the king is, the king doesn't know what to do. He's at the end, he's at the end of his rope. And now, and now this prophet Elisha, who began, who shared this prophecy that, that, that these people were going to go through a difficult time. He is there on his rooftop trying to figure out what to do. And he comes up with the brilliant idea. I'm going to take out the person who is causing all of this pain, all of this frustration, all of this devastation. I'm going to take them out. If his head is on his shoulders any longer we will do it that that is job number one he is the FBI's most wanted Elisha must die now watch this here's what I here's where where we can begin to connect 
some of the things about being all that God has called us to be. Because part of Elisha's mission, part of, part of his drive, part of his thrust is, is to be able to share these words, but also to reveal, to reveal to people the power and the glory of God, the might of God that is greater than humans, that is greater than kings, that is greater than principalities, that is greater than anything. To reveal all of these things, Elisha is there to be able to reveal these things to them to say, you have turned from God and God and God can take care of you. He can turn things around in this nation. You can turn your hearts around and turn them back toward God. But until you do that, until I speak the word from God, things are going to continue to be bad. And during this time, the king is looking to try to take Elisha out. If he had succeeded. Imagine. I could only imagine. How much longer things would have gone on for the people who were struggling here. But God protected him. And I would suggest to you that, that, that when we are on mission and on assignment for God, that God will protect you from things that are seen and things that are unseen. He will protect you from people who seek to try to do you harm and pull you down and try to destroy you. He will hide you in those secret places. He will hide you in plain sight. He will cover you with his wings and cover you with his love. If you have a mission and a calling from God, I want you to know that even though armies may try to rally up against you, that they will not succeed because what God has for you, it is for you. When God has a mission for you, there's nothing, there's no other power on this world that can derail the mission of God. Elisha is a hunted man. But then, in chapter 7, things begin to turn around. Because after the bold declaration of this famine and everything, Elisha finally goes and declares, he says, look, uh, uh, things are bad. We can see things are bad. We can see that people are struggling. And he stands up with boldness after hearing from God and says, tomorrow you will have the windows open up and everyone will eat well. I love this part of the story because this is where we're, 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 we're now what we see and what we cannot see walking by faith and not by sight becomes a reality because what everybody sees is devastation, famine, hurt, pain, struggle, and difficulty. All people see are mothers crying and weeping. They see cattle that are thin and cattle bones everywhere. All they can see is their reality. But when you partner with God, what you see with your human eyes is not what God sees and Elisha Elisha says that by tomorrow everything in your life is going to change there was one person that laughed there at Elisha and said there ain't no way that that's going to happen there's no way I love what happens next in verses 3 and I'll read them for you because here we find the crux of the idea of people who have nothing to lose. We don't know their names. We just know their physical condition. Now there were four leprous men outside the city gate who said to one another, 
Why should we sit here until we die? Therefore, let us desert to the Armenian camp. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. Now, perhaps you've heard many times in different messages and sermons about leprosy and how they were treated during that time. They were treated perhaps worse than people who need to quarantine with the coronavirus. There was no 10-day or 14-day quarantine period for them. There was no special ICU set aside for, for, for them at all. There was, there was no hope. As a matter of fact, if you were identified as leprous, what ended up happening to you is that you no longer could dwell inside the city that you perhaps called home at one point. You were relegated to the outside areas and you formulated your own community of people who were struggling and suffering in the same way that you were. In essence, there was a community of people who had nothing to lose they were set there on the outside and 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 they had to cry out they had to cry out and let other people know what their condition was imagine if everywhere you went you had to identify what your issues were imagine if everywhere that you went you had to tell them what your problems were things that were that were seen on imagine everywhere that you went you say don't get too close to me because you might get what it is that I have that is what they were required and what they had to do. And the struggle for them is that in the midst of that difficulty and challenged place, they find community with one another. My brothers and sisters, I would suggest to you that there are communities of people that have bonded together around their hurt and their conditions. They are bonded together and, and, and perhaps at one point they were believers and they love God. But because, because they've gone through challenges and they had questions and maybe God did not move in their life the way that they desired to. Or maybe they made a mistake at some point in time in their lives and they struggled. And the people that were supposed to love them pushed them out and pushed them away and said, you don't belong. Stay away from us. We know what your condition is. Your condition is sinner and we see your sin. Stay away from us us and get out and stay and stay in your place and they were put out and so they have been forever scarred and they form their communities and they tell their stories and they say it happened to you too it happened to you too and they gather together and they are there and perhaps the most powerful person in the world is the person that has nothing to lose because those people can share stories and they share stories about what it is that they've gone through and what it is that they've experienced and how they perhaps see God and see how God and the people of God have treated them. And those sometimes, sometimes in their thinking, they attribute God to the human people that are there. That is why it says in that old, old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because we know that as humans, we will disappoint and we will let down people and we will frustrate them and we will cause them to have sadness. That is why we always, we always must push people to keep their eyes focused on Christ, the only perfect one that has ever lived. And we can place our trust in him because he will not let us down. They are there. This community has been formed. And because, because the people in the city are struggling, 
Because the people who do not have to declare their struggles and declare their condition to everyone, because the people that are there in the safe confines of the walls of the city are struggling, guess who struggles as well? Those on the outside struggle as well. Because they relied on others to give handouts to them. They required others. They expected others to help them through their challenges and their struggles in life to be able to help them make it through the day. And because they were having a difficult time, they were on the brink of death too. And so they say to themselves, why are we just going to sit here and die? Now let's dig and let's twist the story just a little bit. Isn't it interesting how Elisha makes this declaration. And then we are connected to these leprous men who don't have any names at all. They say that we're just not going to sit here and we're not going to die. We're going to go watch this. We're going to go and see if our enemies will accept us. Isn't that something where, where people who once were accepted as family and a part of one community now get to such a desperate place where they have nothing to lose that they decide in their minds that the people that we once reviled are the people that we're going to turn to to see if they perhaps have more kindness or have more to help us through our struggling situation. They turn to their enemies. They turn to them to find out if there is something that they can do. And while they are out there, while they are going and searching to see if their enemies will help them, they come across a deserted camp. They come across this deserted camp and they see that nobody is there. But what they do discover is that there is more than enough food and more than enough stuff and spoils to make their life more comfortable than it has been in the recent past. The scripture and the story says that they go there and they eat their field. As a matter of fact, they eat so much that they're like, man, we can't eat anymore. And there's so much left over. Let's go. And they begin to find the gold and the silver and other things. And they carry it away to try to secure their future. And they bury it. And they go back again to take more. And then they come to their senses. They come to their senses and they say, there's no way we can keep all of this to ourselves. I believe that in that moment, when they came to their senses, that this story within it carries a couple of really weighty and important things that we can consider. See in this story how they go back and they tell the people there at the gates that they cannot go into. into. The people who are protecting and trying to provide for the city, they go to them and they say to them, I know you don't listen to us and I know that we're not as valued, but, but we need you to know that down there there's a deserted camp and there's more than enough for everybody in the city. And word gets to the king. The king is now listening to those that have been ostracized on the outside. The king now has his, has, his, has his ear tuned in to find out maybe, maybe somebody is trying to play a trick on him. Maybe, maybe, he, maybe they're sharing this so that, so that they will be destroyed and, and killed. Maybe their frustration is trying to set them up in a way that they will lose their lives. But, 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 but God twisted this story around in their favor because now God uses the leprous men to bring about the prophecy fulfillment of Elisha to save the people who had turned their back on God 
they are there and they go and they discover in the city that there is more than enough to take care of everyone that is there to eat well and to live well. As a matter of fact, God was working that thing out before they even knew it because the reason why they fled is that they believed that they had heard another army in the distance and so they thought that they were going to lose the Armenians, not that they were going to lose their lives and so they fled as fast as they could. God will cause even your enemies to flee before you even even know that your enemy is gone God will cause things to be set up in your favor before you even know as a matter of fact you might think that you're being set up when God has actually set you up for your success my brothers and sisters I would have you to know and understand here today that God can use anyone to get us out of any situation to bless us far more than we ever imagined or thought to do things that we didn't think that God could do at a time that we thought was too small or too short God can turn things around and that's just how God works So what happened to that letter, Pastor Barone? Well, about a month later, my flip phone rang. <laughs> and I said, hello? And they said, we're looking for a Mr. Baron Silvery. I said, it's me, Barone Silvery. <laughs> They said, we're calling from Steve Jobs' office. I said, are you, are you, are you, I said, are you serious? She said, yes. She said, uh, oh, we received your letter. I said, I said, did, did Steve actually read the letters? She said, he reads all of them. And then she said, um, um, sir, where do you live? I said, I live in, I live in Colton, California. She said, What's, where, where's your nearest, hold on, hold on one. I'm seeing your nearest Apple store is in Rancho Cucamonga. She said, um, what we're going to do don't worry about having to pay full price. We'll replace it for you for a lesser fee, only $200. I'm gonna send a message to them to expect your arrival. And you can go there and pick it up. I said, are, are, are you serious? He said, sir, it is all set up for you. And so. And so I drove down to the store and I, and I walked on the inside and I said, I, I got a call from, from the office and, and, and they said that you were expecting me and they, and they looked at us and they said, oh yeah, we see that you're here. Let me go get your phone. I said, okay. And I pulled out my card and it said, they, it says here that you don't owe anything. And I walked away without having to pay anything when I thought it was going to cost me so much more. But because I took a chance with nothing to lose,
I gained so much more in that moment. Now let's step back and let's get real for a moment. It's just a phone. It's just a phone. It's just something that we use every day and perhaps too much. Come on and say amen. Perhaps a little bit too much. It's just a phone. But, but now let's connect this to our spiritual places. We send a letter up to God. God, there's no way that I could ever repay you for the love that you've shown toward me. And, and I messed up. I, I, I messed up and I'm staying from the inside out. And I, and I know that the, that the warranty says that the wages of sin is death. And, and, and then the reply comes back, oh, but the gift of God is eternal life. Well, what is eternal life going to cost me? What is it going to cost me? Barone, it's not going to cost you anything. Just your heart, mind, and soul. And for the love that God gives to us, that price is cheap enough. I don't know if you have someone that will come and play a song or something as I close this message. But I would suggest that here buried in this story, that we find uh, the promises of God come true. That God uses his prophets to share and to put on display the glory and the power of God. We find here that there are four unnamed people with nothing to lose at all. That even though they're just trying to survive on their own, look out for their own interest, that there was something on the inside of them. There was something that, 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 was, that was placed within their hearts that as they went there and they were accomplishing. They were a part of how God was turning everything around, not just for those four men, but for everyone. And all of it connects together. Elisha trusting God even though his life is being hunted. Elisha being bold with the king. These men who, who are there that go out and seek something so that they can survive. But then they turn around. This is what gets me. They turn around and they say, we can't keep all of this to ourselves. It's just too good. And it can do too much and so much good for other people. kind of like what the gospel can do we're in our desperate situations we say I can't die here there's got to be something better and that's something better that we discover is what Christ can do in our lives and it's so overwhelming it's so relentless 
it's such a game changer that we go back and we got to tell and share with somebody else. Maybe God can use you. As you've discovered all that he has done in your life, all that he has blessed you with, somebody on the other end that might not even know your name is waiting for for you to go and share with somebody else that that there is something that will change your life that a place that that the enemy had as a stronghold the enemy was scared away and they left everything and now we can go and we can have the things indeed God the prophet kept his promise nothing to lose and everything come to know this we have no idea what God is doing sometimes but here's the thing if they tried to figure out all the whole plan how that whole thing was going to work itself out I don't think they would have been able to figure out that he was going to use leprous people to go down to the enemy camp to come back and tell them and not keep it to themselves and come back and tell everybody else so that everybody else is going to be all right and be straight and see that God indeed kept his word and the next day they were going to have everything. I don't think they could have figured that thing out. But what what is key is that Elisha played his role. These men did what it is that they needed to do, but there was something on the inside that drove them back. my story who God is about sending that letter is that I honestly believed that he wasn't going to read it I didn't believe that I just wanted to say to myself that I did everything that I could I didn't have anything to lose that's not how God operates person that's been praying for a long time 
struggling for a long time, hoping for a long time, God hears you. The young people might submit it this way. He don't leave you on red. He doesn't leave you already. <laughs> some people, some people, they're like, what is he talking about? When you, when you read a text message, <laughs> but you don't reply. <laughs> and so you get left on red. <laughs> All right. If we got to say amen, some, some of y'all can add that to your vocabulary. You know, you talk to your child, you're going to be like, don't leave me on red. Be like, wait a minute. What you know about? Response. Here's the last thing that I'll, that I'll share and then I'll pray and I'll be done. We struggle with timing. I know I do too. Timing. We believe that he hears us sometimes, but our challenge sometimes is like, but when? Okay, so... So you got the message, cool, I heard, pastor, I hear you. He got the message. God got the message. He heard it. Hallelujah. When? Patience, sometimes the greatest challenge that we will face. I'm going to pray that we will have the patience That in God's time, he will work things out for our good. And sometimes that will mean no. But we really hope it'll be yes. If we trust God enough, we can take some of the no's. We certainly rejoice with the yeses. God, we're grateful that you will respond to us. We're grateful that you are working things out in our lives that we don't even know you are working out right now. God, we're grateful that you are still a miracle performing God. God, today I pray that you would give us patience. That as we cry out to you, will trust your work and trust your timing. God, may we do the things that you have called us to do. May we spread love everywhere. May we do our best to bring joy and to bring peace everywhere that we go. Because God, we see that situation, but we don't know how you may be using that situation that is perhaps isolated to us 
to be a blessing to others and to set other people free. So God, may we pray like there's nothing to lose. place it all there on the altar for you and will you do miracles will you reveal yourself even more to us each and every day of our lives I want to give just a brief moment for anyone that says God I want to accept you into my life accept you into my heart I want you to do work within me God I want to have more of a heart of love God I feel like or I felt like an outsider but I realize that you can use outsiders to perform miracles And Lord, bring those miracles back to be a blessing to people who are on the inside. So I want to just give you a moment to have that conversation with God. Thank you for hearing us, God. Thank you for moving in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.